So please be grateful, be happy. You know, whatever you're going through, it's temporary. Whatever happens, it happens for good. You know, I lost my legs, lost my career, and I lost my job, but hey, I'm okay, so you'll be okay. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Cubicle Athlete. On today's episode, we have an amazing human being. He's a Nepalese-born man who served around the world with the Gurkhas and the British military. He stepped on an IED in Afghanistan back in 2010 and lost both of his legs above the knee. It was a long battle to regain his confidence and reclaim his life, and sports played a crucial role in getting him to where he is today. He's an incredible athlete and holds the world record for being the first double above knee amputee to summit a peak over 6,000 meters, which was Mera Peak. He is also preparing to be the very first double above knee amputee to even attempt to climb the world's tallest mountain, Mount Everest. There's a long list of many other feats, records, and accomplishments, some of which we get into throughout the episode. So without further ado, here is Hari Uda Magar. So again, as I was saying before I started recording, I want to say thank you so much. I'm, I can't even explain how appreciative I am for you to take the time to do this because when I found out who you are and what you're doing, it's just incredibly inspiring. And every video I saw of you before you know, we got to meet here on this Zoom call, big smile. You, you seem so positive. There's like this infectious positive energy I get from you. I was watching a bunch of your interviews and, and just a lot of media that's out there on you with my wife. And we were just like, ah, this guy's amazing. I'm very, very appreciative that you took the time to do this. Um, so again, before we start, thank you. <laughs> um, hey, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so for starters, for everybody listening, you know, I'd love to hear your origin story. Uh, I know you, you, you were born and grew up in Nepal. Take us from there to how you got to where you are today. Um, yeah, I, I, I was born in uh, Nepal. So simply I was born in a, a cow shed about uh, 2,700 meters. I went barefoot to school. We have to walk a couple of miles. It wasn't close enough. Then um, um, I grew up in a um, civil uprising where, uh, you know, more than 17,000 people were killed and uh, it lasted for 10 years and I joined the British army in the middle of this uh, civil war. So it was a big skip for me. Uh, and I came to the UK, it's completely different world. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Then I came to, I joined the British army and joining the British army is not easy again. You know, about 10, 12,000 applicants apply for 250, 300, um, um, you know, successful applicants. And um, we, in my intake, it was 230 uh, applicants who successfully um, got into British Army. So, yeah, I came to the UK, completely different world, and I get opportunity to, uh, you know, go around the world as a part of my job and training, um, and which was uh, some ways great. And I've seen some of the very beautiful places, but... Some of you could see, uh, you know, you, you know, toughest places I've been. I, I, I was absolutely enjoying my art career and I had a good career in military. And uh, suddenly, um, you know, I went to Afghanistan and I lost my legs and uh, my last sense pretty much, you know, very quickly and upside down. And um, the, all the, your aims, dreams are completely, you know, 
turn upside down and you have to adjust them and uh, adapt them and do different way. And, um, you know, yeah. some ways I found my passion and here I am. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's crazy. So when you joined the British army, this is something that I didn't know as an American, I was completely unaware of the Gurkhas. It's fascinating. It's very interesting. Uh, could you take me a little bit into who the Gurkhas are and what interested you in, in getting involved with the Gurkhas and the British army? Like why you became an applicant? Uh, so Gurkhas are normally the, the men uh, who works for, um, you know, there are different Gurkhas. So they, there are um, Indian Gurkhas, uh, Singapore continent with the police force as a para, paramilitary. We have got Indian army, we, uh, Indian Gurkhas and the British army. So mm-hmm. a British army is most, most highly paid among, among them. But yeah. It, this mm, takes, uh, takes us back uh, more than 205 years. So pretty much we involved to the, all, the, all the wars and conflicts that the British involved and American involved as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yep. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's our um, history. Is, and, um, you know, the Gurkhas are a completely different regiment in the British Army. It's completely, it's like you have got like a Marines, it's like a, you know, you have paras, like Navy SEALs, like that. So the Gurkhas are completely, you know, one part of about, uh, I think we were around, I think, 4,000 at the moment. Um, oh, wow. Serving, serving. So it's very small. Um, it's, it's small and we are completely different. Um, but we call, they call us Gurkhas. <laughs> That's another story to tell you. It's a long story. It's more than 205 years of his, um, history. But yeah, simply we're from Nepal um, in the UA, in, you know, serving for the United Kingdom. And wherever, uh, you know, the, there is the, the problem, uh, we get deployed. Right. As I was doing a little bit of research and I found out about the Gurkhas and when you got involved and I saw, I, mean, I don't know if it was an interview or where I heard it, but it was something about your dad didn't want you to go to the British military, right? Was he trying to steer you to, to the uh, Indian? Uh, no, it was uh, actually um, my dad's dream was to join one of the Gurkhas and he used to tell me. I wouldn't able to join to the British army because it's too tough and, and it's a very little chance you have got to succeed. So he used to tell me, try Indian army. If not, then, you know, join the Nepalese army as well. So uh, he told me that because, you know, my great granddad was just one son. My granddad was just one. And my dad also, they're, they're all one sons. And we are three brothers and I'm the oldest one. He wanted to join the Gurkhas. Um, before and he actually escaped to join the Gurkhas, but at that time, uh, you know, jo- joining the army is like a you know kind of dying, going to die. You know, is that that's in the uh, that's it was. And he because his friend all went to join the armies, and when they come with, I think very smart and uh, you know, I think um, lots of women. I think he used to lo- love them. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's a big and, uh, motivating factor to, to yeah I, I i i guess so and but also they will make some money right of course of course uh, uh, so my dad always wanted to join and um he used to tell us one of you must join and um you know i fulfilled my dad's dream uh, and also uh, in nepal is um at the moment is changing but it's more about you fulfilling you you tell what your parents tells you to do then actually you doing your dreams uh, right um oh, it's amazing especially for him to 
for you to, to go on and achieve that, you know, cause it was kind of, you're being told, Hey, this is really difficult. But if you go to maybe an easier route, you know, you have a better chance, but you really had it in you to really conquer that dream. And right. Uh, conquering dreams is a big, yeah. it's a big uh, part of your, your brand, if we could call it that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still living that today. So there's so much that, <laughs> that I really want to ask you. So to keep the conversation uh, to an hour or so, I, I'm going to try my best to get a lot of the best questions out here. Um, so when you were in Afghanistan, obviously the, the injury happens, you lose both of your legs. There's something that I, I saw you say a, a few times that really stood out to me was that you were prepared to die. You weren't prepared to get injured and survive, which to me that that mindset and that psychology is very it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to me, you know, like, it's just, it, cause I don't live that, you know, I'm not in the military. So that, that idea of like, I'm ready to go there and die, but I'm not ready to come back and, and get back to my life and be injured. So yeah, I'd love to hear the, the psychology behind that and just everything that was going through your head. Cause that had to be such a difficult shift, you know, like you weren't ready for this and you mentioned it, that your, all your dreams and your hopes just completely changed, flipped upside down. Um, so I'd love to hear how you got through that. And, and like I said, you're so positive. You have such, such this like positive attitude. I'd love to know where that comes from. Simply, there is two things um, that um, behind it. One thing is it's the Gurkhas, the motto, our motto is it's better to die than be coward. So we train that way. One thing, because we are in the British Army, because we are a good fighter, uh, you, know, you, you, sure. you know, we do a good job if you need to do. Um, and because we fought with the British in the Anglo-Nepal war and uh, British couldn't able to win us. So uh, instead of they got us to recruit them and, and go into the fight around oh, the world. That's wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's all. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so that that's what is it. Um, another one is you know, Taliban's and um, all, the, all, all, all those um, extremists today get the prisoner to uh, prisoner to the soldiers and, uh, you know, show on them on the TV and, uh, you know, they, you know, slaughter their necks to kill them. Yeah. So I definitely don't be in that position and my parents and uh, my friends and families, I don't want them to, you know, you know, watch me in the TV. So sure. uh, this is the reason why. Uh, you know, I will uh, fight until I die. Yeah, you know, that's what I in my mind, um, and I trained my boys that way, and uh, this is how it went. But uh, luckily, there wasn't any enemy. There was just IED. They couldn't fight with us. Uh, right. You know, a bit of coward, isn't it? A cowardice way, I, I would say. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, I stayed on IED and uh, you know survived. My, you know, my friends and. The colleagues, they, they did a great job to rescue me on time. So, you know, I survived. Initially, I didn't value my life. Half of, I used to think that half of my body is gone and taking another half of body is not a problem. I actually tried myself a couple of times, but it's hard. You couldn't, you know, reach the ceiling from the wheelchair and you can't climb and those things. And you can't go over the breeze and climb it. You know, you know those are the things. So, so. Uh, I didn't value that how valuable just your brain and your just a couple of your uh, senses are working and how valuable, how thing, how much the things you can do. 
which is amazing. You know, I just kind of realized after my um, songs, the way back on my music, I wish I knew these things when yeah. I get in. Uh, and um, simply, I want to leave the rest of my life to making something different and, uh, you know, making it meaningful. You know, what is the point of dying? Just, uh, you know, um, you know, surviving and dying. Everybody can survive. Even animal can survive, right? So right. I think we are much more intelligent and clever than them. And uh, I think we can make so much difference. And uh, I'm kind of finding uh, now myself that even the one person, how much the difference can make in the world. Yeah. It's just amazing. So I can just make a little bit difference, I think. Right. Well, I think you're doing more than just a little bit. And I think you're, once your message <laughs> gets out there, man, it's a very inspiring message. I mean, to go through the transformation you went through, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's inspiring to me. I, I never faced something like you did. And I still get to pull some of that inspiration from your story and the things you're sharing with me right now to apply it to my life. And that's what I think a lot of people are going to be able to do once uh, you know, your message starts to reach more and more people. But yeah, so I, I know you had dealt with PTSD. Just the recovery through that, you touched on a lot of it right now. It's just becoming more aware of how strong the mind is. It really isn't, you know, you lose your legs, but you didn't lose you, right? You're, you're, you're still you and you're able to make that shift in your perspective on, on everything. How long did it take for you to see that? Or is it still a working pro? Are you still progressing through that today? I think I'm still learning today. And I think my learning won't finish till I die because there's so much, so much things to learn, um, to be honest. Um, about PTSD, yes. Uh, initially, I thought, yeah, uh, you know, I grew, grew up in Nepal, beaten by my, you know, parents and, you know, went to barefoot. I, you know, grew up in the toughest place and toughest environment and I, army made me more tough. And, uh, you know, this is what I think and uh, nothing that, you know, like a mental health would um, affect me. I never realized that uh, before. Uh, how powerful is mind um, and uh, you know so um, I didn't I didn't know some point when I, I was coming out of the military after about three years after my injury I kind of realized you know there's something wrong with me actually I didn't notice actually my friends noticed so so actually we came to the one of the military program in Texas in, in, in America and I came with one of my uh, firefighter friends. We came for one of the, uh, doing some charity things, charity work. I was doing some charity rides, uh, cycle ride and other things. And I came up and um, I nearly fought with him. He's a very good friend of mine. <laughs> um, I was so angry. And, uh, and um, after all of that, you know, when he came back to the UK and said, Hari, you might need um, help, mate. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Um, you know, you know. I think um, maybe something you might need to help. He need help. Do you want me to approach some people and say? He said, and he approached the combat stress, which is actually look after the, um, um, the mental health side of things in the UK to military personnel and veterans, mainly the veterans. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, I came kind of came some point that you know my mind used to get a foggy. Um, so I couldn't really see clearly things like that. I couldn't able to focus the things. 
I forgot the things that very, very quickly. And also I was very aggressive in some ways. I was drinking a lot. Um, and so many things that I couldn't able to control myself. Um, so, yeah, so maybe, maybe something wrong. Maybe, maybe I need to have a ring. And also I kind of, you know, read some of the articles about mental health and, and things like that. And, you know, nothing wrong with admitting that some of your weakness or whatever, what's wrong with you, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of something myself kind of motivated and he kind of told me and he contacted the combat stress. Then I went to the combat stress and I had, had done six weeks of residential training, pretty much treatment or course, whatever you call it, go through all the psychological things to, you know, how the brain works, does some mind. Sure. <laughs> this is kind of, yeah. So, and also how to cope, like all those mindfulness, um, you know, yoga, maybe anger management, emotional things. And those are the things that I get, got educated. So yes, sometimes still I go through um, some of those things, but, uh, at the end, it's about how to manage it, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, I use those tools to manage those of all of my things. And um, this is the mountain which helps me. So let it, it, it makes me forget everything and just, yeah. you know, focus on one step at a time. Right, so. right. The mountain climbing that you're doing has served as a big therapeutic thing in your life. Um, yes, that's right we hear that a lot uh, with sports in general, right? With sports, it, it's so like um, very singular. You're, you're so like focused on one thing. You're able to kind of shut off everything. And did the idea to start doing sports and, and stuff like that come from that, the recovery? Uh, yes. I think there are many coping strategies, right? Some people take drugs, right? Yeah, Some people sure. alcohol. Uh, initially I, I used alcohol as a, my coping strategy. So but um, it didn't help. Um, I was drinking every day, and uh, when I when when I didn't drink, uh, my hands used to shaking. You know, um, just I just used to feel that my my body is not something right, right? So I don't feel relaxed, right? So so, um, or some people take a drug, some people just kill themselves, uh, or, or, or do whatever. Uh, you know, you, you know they couldn't able to uh, control. But and also it's easy to get a bottle and uh, pour in a glass and uh, drink it or break a can and drink it. That's easy bit. But I think hard bit is like say uh, doing other things the, the good things for longer term who gives you good thing is harder. Right. So yep. you need to be disciplined. So in the call, you need to go out, drive to the gym or, uh, you know, go for run or go for walk or, uh, you know, just do something. Even go, for me, like going in the mountain in the cold and the things like it's hard. Um, and um, it's not easily done. Those are the things. Um, but, you know, those are the both beneficial. And uh, lots of people take it the shortcut, easy way. That's why they got in trouble in the longer term. So some ways I think um, I able to find it through the sport uh, of my um, my passion. And uh, I think this is all about just, you know, make sure you value yourself and also um, do whatever you love to do. Then you don't even sleep to do it. You know, you know, you wake up, you know, four o'clock in the morning, you can do the work until, until two o'clock at night. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's all about that. So as long as you love whatever you're doing and look after yourself and uh, be mindful, um, um, I think this is pretty much what helping me. So simply what I do, um, 
you know, these are things that what is motivates me. Uh, I think I'll talk about later about why I want to climb and those other things. But yeah, there is always something and it's, it's all about hope. Um, so as long as you, you have something to hang on, um, something, um, something to look forward, then you can live a life very nicely. But if you don't have those ones, and lots of people who doesn't have that, you know, even there is, they can't see it simply. It's just like a, it's like a, it blocks your brain. It's a put wall on, on, your, on your mind. So you can't see even how many opportunities, how many beautiful things around. And you can't see that way. And to see that, you need to do longer term solution than the short term solution. So. Yeah you were getting involved in a lot of different sports, right? You didn't start out just climbing mountains. Where, where did you get your start with that? Cause I know I saw a long list of sports that you were, you were getting involved in. I'd love to hear about that. So um, the first thing I tried was uh, skydiving after my injuries. There's two reasons again. One reason was even I was in Gurkhas and military and never did, never done a parachute. You know, I never done dying from the sky. So one thing is, I wanted to take some experience. Your first time yeah. jumping out of a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second thing was, as I I said to you earlier, you know, half of my body's gone. If another half goes, you know, that's end of story, right? Yeah. So you know, I was in a bit of suicidal mode as well. I know, you know. I didn't look at my future much. Everything was like a, like I say, a mental wall was around my mind and couldn't see yeah, and look forward those things. So, um, you know, if I finish then that's, that's okay. You know, that's, the, that's how I went, you know, went 15,000 feet in the sky and kind of suffered down and, you know, look at down. But I, you know, it's kind of scared. I, sometimes I kind of joke now that, uh, you know, even even you want to die, still you scared. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, look at down and uh, yeah, there's no way I can't. I can't be a coward, right? This is my motto. So shovel down, yeah, uh, yeah, jump down. And that's the one of the first time that I feel kind of really free. You know, after my injuries, all of my wheelchair is and someone, but the has to take care of me, look after me in that time. So. I thought that, you know, how we were going to land. We did a little bit of training and um, before we went up, you know, some drills, but, you know, how are we going to land? You know, never did that before. So it might be like, a, you know, dropping the egg yeah. <laughs> on the floor. That's what I thought. Um, but when we landed safely, it's kind of something like something positive going. And then I realized that, to be honest, even if you don't have a, a bot legs, still you can do something, right? So that's kind of idea. Yes, I might I needed help from someone, but I could able to do things. And then after that, maybe I could be able to do. And at, at that time, I was I was also thought about that. I, yeah, I, I may kill myself, but the problem it's not gonna solve the problem. The problem, I, I'm, yes, it will solve a problem for me, but it doesn't solve a problem for my my families. So I have two and a half year old son uh, and my wife, and they have to live the rest of their life because of me. So even I couldn't able to do anything, just maybe talking to them, maybe giving some advice, or just being with, with them, I think should be 
is still valuable. So I kind of realized, and no, now I stop thinking these things. You know, I need to do something. So uh, okay, I'm not gonna do. I'm gonna leave. I'm I'm gonna do something. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I wanted to do do something. After those things, I get a little bit confident. So my aim is to what can I do physically after losing both legs? That was the thing clicked in my mind. Then after that, that pretty much kayaking, skiing, you call it pretty much all the Paralympics. I just can't remember what sports actually I haven't tried. So uh, pretty much I tried even curling, you know, like yeah. <laughs> one of the most boring sports, one of the most big, you know, exciting sports. Um, the track running, wheelchair cycling, pretty much everything. Everything around uh, wheelchair basketball. I actually um, came to two games in the USA. One, I came to Paralympic military program. That's why I um, I came to, I went to um, San Diego. And we, it was great to meet some Israelis and injured soldiers and the US and UK military soldiers. It was a part of um, Paralympic military program. It was US Paralympic military program that uh, we came in. Later, I went to Oklahoma for Endeavor Games. Uh, and actually, at that time, I won um, gold medal in archery. And, um, in archery? Medal. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, archery. Wow. And bronze medal medal in wheelchair table tennis. Wow. It's not a big sport, but I have not that competitive. But, you know, it was good for me, for me to something to be proud and just move next step, you know, next stage. So... Um, after that, it's pretty much I was doing all the sports. And one point I was just doing too much. So I need to focus on something. Just one. So that's where it came to the mountain and I focused on the mountain to climb, climbing things. It really comes down to one moment. It's the skydiving. That one moment when you landed, that was like the first domino that started knocking down all the other dominoes for you, right? Like just all the, your confidence started to come back. And I think it's like, like, it's like imagine a your brain is in center, center somewhere, couldn't see anything. And it's pretty much surrounded by wall. And I think it's, it's the, the skydiving was a, a little hole yeah. on the wall that I could see the lights, I think. That's a really interesting way to put it, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, look, uh, at the end of the day, I think what you were experiencing is it's a severe depression, right? And, and a lot of people who, people who could be listening to us right now could be going through something similar they deal with depression and it's that mental cloudiness. And I think the important thing there is to do what you did, right? That, that try something, get out and, and try something. Even though, even if the motivation for you was, it sounded like there was a little bit of apathy. You're like, well, if I die, I die. Right. If, even if you remove that out of it, there was so much importance yeah. in that attitude. Like I got to go do something, um, mm-hmm. you know, try something. So that's kind of what this whole podcast is about uh, on every of my episodes, everyone I'm, I'm speaking with, it's a lot about sports psychology, but just the importance of things like sport. They really are, I think, so important for, for people to, you know, like we were just saying, like when you, you, when you climb a mountain, you're so singular focused. And as you're achieving these things, you're conquering these things, you, you start getting so much more confidence and it starts to apply to every other aspect of your life. So I'm sure you getting better at one sport started to improve things 
maybe in your marriage or as a father or as a, just as a human being in general. Do you have any examples of that? Did you notice those things to start to improve all around you? Uh, yeah, to be honest, it's, it is absolutely amazing. When you become positive and when you do one thing, as you said, you said that if you have a confidence in one thing, that confidence, you know, passes to others, other side of things. So, so after having um, con- confidence from sports and things like that, and, and I established uh, my business, I built my property portfolio, um, and um, you know, uh, you know, I invest, invested in some other 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 part of things, and uh, even I, I I helped some of my friends to. Um, Establish their businesses, which is feel great. And then, you know, now how much they are grown up, just amazing to this. So one person doing one thing can make so much, just tell, go and challenge yourself and just, it, you, you just make so much difference, you know? So I said, me just climbing it, we're talking about science and technology and development, and you, you know, disability campaign, fighting for the rights. Oh, just this yeah. is goes at least goes on. To be honest, it, right. so many things. A little bit about inspiring others and those other things, but you know, it just goes on, on and on, and uh, you know, uh, the make the difference uh, could able to make it. It's just kind of amazing. Yeah. And again, like I said, it, that's exactly what this podcast is about. I mean, every, everybody I talk to, I try to get them to share something similar to what you just shared. I mean, that's such a perfect little bit of wisdom, a bit of knowledge to just focus on one thing, get better at it, gain your confidence. It starts to permeate into every other aspect. And, um, and, and one, of, one of another thing, um, you know, just try everything. You know, so when you get a chance, just go and do it. Don't put your minds in it. Just it doesn't really matter. You fail or pass or you know get better or not get better or whatever it is. Just I think go and uh, I think to try it. And this is what is what is I did. So I tried all the sports. My aim was to you know what can I do physically, <laughs> but actually, what I did is I found my passion. Yeah. Right? I, I found my purpose. I found my um, something to look forward. Um, you know, I found my mission, whatever you call it. Yeah. And if you don't try it, how are you gonna find your passion? You might be something good and something which is you never tried. Right. right? So I think it's about I think just try whatever the opportunity you get. Go and try whatever you want to do, and, and uh, that way, um, I think um, we will find you know whatever we are good at. How long after the injury did you find that passion? Because you were trying a bunch of different sports. How long until you, you did that first climb? So I was injured in 2010. My first climb was 2016. It took six years wow. for me to uh, find it. You know, initially about two years, was, I just lost in somewhere in the cloud you know, didn't know what to do much. Even I was trying these sports and yes, I was slowly gaining the confidence, but still, I think I didn't do um, much things. Um, you know, I didn't have those, couldn't able to find my happy place, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. something that I really want to do for, give my life for, you know, all of my life for a long time, you know, you know, so. Right. Um, it takes a long time, but just be patient, do keep whatever you are doing. And one day, I think we'll be able to find it. I think. Yeah. Um, 
So the first climb you did was about four years ago and you've climbed a few mountains since then. Let's go over that. Cause uh, I'm looking at the list of the mountains you summited and how high you've gone. It's, it's very impressive. So I'd love to hear that first one you did your first attempt, I guess your first climb and then your last climb. Let's just touch on those climbs. So mainly thing is this kind of, um, in my mind, it came in while I was skiing in the Alps. I always used to see the, you know, mountains and, uh, um, it's just uh, remind uh, my kind of my, my dream, my memory back. Um, and, um, um, you know, I grew up in Nepal, um, looking mountains all the time, uh, every day. <laughs> Um, and, um, you know, uh, from very little age in, in school in Nepal, we read about Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzin Norge who conquered uh, Mount Everest first. Um, um, we Nepalese are very proud that Mount Everest is in Nepal, it's highest peak in the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, Buddha was born in Nepal and the Gurkhas are from the Nepal. That's pretty much the world. Whoever knows Nepal, pretty much, I think they know this, this pretty much uh, this, uh, one of these things, I yep. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I always wanted to climb, uh, but, uh, you know, I learned how to ride in a wooden plank with a soggy stone because I couldn't able to afford, um, you know, pen and papers or even, you know, uh, you know, I didn't have any sleepers and and my feet, so there's no way that um, I could be able to climb in my childhood. But um, I joined the military and I wanted to do that. But also, you know, your British military tempo, huh? <laughs> you, you know, you you know, it's get get engaged in all over the world, um, and I especially that time in Iraq and Afghanistan and, um, you know, you know, that, this time. Um, and also I have to look out, you know, see my career as well. So looking those, I couldn't able to, uh, I didn't have enough time to you know, train and go and climb. Climbing itself takes just too much. <laughs> With no way my chain of command would give it to me <laughs> and do that. I'd leave it about training. Uh, that, that was my mind coming in. So, you know, it just brought all those things back to my mind, and just kind of when I was talking, um, you looking looking those uh, mountains, uh, you know, it just it was always on my mind from about 2011 and 12, and uh, it took that long to take the first step. And I met one of my one of my friend. He's um, chief mountain instructor in uh, SF. Um, he's still serving, but he. He's the guy who helps helps me, uh, you, you know, going around the mountains because of knowledge and skills and um, uh, network. So that's how I kind of went. First thing I went to Nepal and just, just, just how am I going to feel on altitude? That was the first priority to test myself before, before I said that I'm going to climb Mount, uh, Mount Everest. Uh, and um, uh, another thing is, whether I could physically able to do that. And I, I went to test myself. So uh, we went about 4,700 meters and did some training, you know, simulate that Hilary step, that how we're gonna climb in that. And those are all the things. Yeah, I found that, yeah, this is, this is possible. This is yeah. way possible. My foot body feels pretty good in that altitude and um, yeah. Before you climbed anything, 
your goal was Everest. Yeah, it it, it was always Everest. So even even when I climbed the highest mountain um, so far, uh, when I hold the world record for um, uh, world record, initially I didn't realize that you know, I'm, I was going to make a world record. Only when on the mountain, a couple of my friends, they did some, some research. For me, it was just go and train for that, right? Wow. And, and, and they did it. And they said, yeah, I think nobody has done it. You should be the first one. And wow. kind of before we submitted, and that gave me a bit more booster as well. Then, then after that, one by one, one, I think, how many I climbed up? Pretty much, I think, um, without summits, I think I climbed about seven, eight mountains, maybe, you know, summits uh, at about four, 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 four mountains. Okay. Especially. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't count the Ben Nevis specifically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which mountain was it that you did the, that you broke the record that you, or you were the first to summit over, I think it was 6,000 meters? Yes, it's a Mera Peak. So it's a 6,476 uh, meters. Yeah. And you were the first double above knee amputee to ever climb that high, right? Yeah, There's, nobody has done it. Hopefully incredible. I'm going to take a break my record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's incredible because there's a video of you reaching the top. You summit it and you yell out to scream. You have your arms up, you cheer, and then tears. You start crying. I'm in my living room on my couch on my laptop watching that. And I start crying. Like, it was so inspiring. And I get my wife. I'm like, hey, you got to watch this. You got to watch this guy. Just that alone, man. Just that alone is just, it's so inspiring. And how difficult it is. I want my, my listeners, the people that are listening right now to know. I mean, just me climbing that is very difficult. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I have both of my legs. And that would be very difficult for me to do. An amputee that's below the knee it's very difficult to do. Can you touch on the difference between someone who is an amputee below their knees and then in your case, above the knees? Because there's a difference there. Yes, it's a big, big difference between, between below knees and above knees. Especially, I think, with the, kind of comparing with the normal, normal able body and above the knee, is we spend three times more energy and it takes three, three times longer uh, than normal people. Sometimes it takes longer, more, more, more. Uh, between um, above knee and below knee, because all about knee, if you have a knee, you can lift your leg up. For uh, above knees are like a, you are kind of, it's like a penguin, you are kind of, you make a movement from your hip yeah. uh, most of the time. And it dep- also depends on your, how much limb uh, you have got. But uh, for me, I actually um, lost lots of muscles on my um, thigh as well. Um, so it makes <laughs> more, 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 more difficult as well. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's much, much uh, difference between, and, and also the, the um, above knee uh, would be shorter with uh, small, you know, stubbies. Uh, and um, below knees, uh, they have got a lot, you know, taller kit. That means they can move, a bit faster, yeah. which is for us um, would be slower. It's like a, as a, as I say, it's like a. So simply um, climbing a mountain on your knees, right? <laughs> and also, it's not not knees are more flexible because you can move around. But with the prosthetics, it's yeah, uh, it's it's not that easy. I, it's incredible. Yeah, 
I couldn't imagine walking to my kitchen on, on my knees and you're climbing mountains like that. So it's, it's incredibly inspiring, man. And, uh, you know, I, I saw you and uh, it was the Reddit AMA the, where I found out about you. And there was something you said on there about you being, you're just much happier now than when you had your legs. And you've said a lot of things about you get a lot of your joy from helping others. That seems to be one of the main things. And just, I mean, just that video is helping so many people, you know, just seeing the video is, is so helpful. Were you always like that? Did you always have that, that good nature? I think my cat just opened my door. <laughs> Sorry. Did were you? Hello, hello cat. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you in the back. <laughs> I thought it was my dog. I have dogs and cats. Um, but yeah, so I'm just curious to, if you always had that good nature, did you always have that drive to help people? Or was that something after your injury that, that you started to get a lot of your joy from, from and your drive to help others? Was that after? I think um, there's two things again. One thing is, yes, um, I grew up pretty much that way. I was, I was brought up, I think, something that way. Right. Uh, and uh, this is why Nepalese peoples are so good around, <laughs> I, think, I think, around the world that we've been liked. The another thing is, living your own life just helping yourself it's being a bit of a selfish i think yeah. <laughs> uh, just 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 looking at yourself and um you know having for me this uh, kind of opportunity in that you know position to help others i think you it's just so much so much so much of things that you could able to do you know as i said everybody can survive so we, 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 we need to make some difference. And, you know, life is much more valuable than just surviving, you know. So this is pretty much in my mindset that, um, you know, um, I love helping others. And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me ha- happy when I make money or, uh, you know, those other things. But when you put a smile inside other people's, innocent people's face, that's, I think, most, I think, I feel really, really happy. And, um, uh, and this is one of the reason that you know I dedicated my life, my life to um, you know making a disability awareness, um, especially in Nepal and around the world. So this is and this is the only one way that I could give back to my country. I grew up up to age of 19, and uh, you know I served in the, for the United Kingdom, and uh, I think in some way this is a way that I can give back. This is this is my why. Um, um, that's why. It makes me work hard. Yeah, uh, you know, it takes me to risk and uh, those other things. So when people talk about the risk, you know, risk is everything. Is working your uh, stairs is a risk. <laughs> you know, if you fall down, you know, bang your head in some on a wall, then you know, you might, you, you might, you, you might end up the rest of your life on a wheelchair. Maybe you are just walking on the street and someone drives, drives off and uh, you know, you, you may be gone, you know. Mm-hmm. Only the last year in the UK um, that 927 people were killed by just road traffic accident. You know, how many do you think they, they got injured? Um, and, uh, you know, life could be changed in a blink of eyes. Um, can happen anything. Um, so whatever happens, make sure we enjoy our life. And, you know, one of the best things happened after my injury was 
I could I could able to recognize myself. You know, Nepal is uh, some ways um, it, it's a even it's a very beautiful country. So sometimes life is pretty hard, and uh, lots of some of Nepalese they 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 can't themselves that they are from Nepal, right? They will come say better say they'll come from India or maybe they will come say they will from China or something like that, and. Um, which is, you know, I kind of be able to recognize myself, you know, you know, I didn't used to kind of tell about that, you know, I was married at the age of 11. And, and to be honest, if I'm lying, if I'm doing something that I'm not, then I'm not Haribura Magara anymore. So when God created us, I think it created us to be individually us, even if we are three brothers, we all different characters, yeah. uh, you know, we do have different identity and uh, uh, it has given us different identity. So, uh, you know, we are unique in each our own way. Whether we got legs, we don't have legs, or uh, uh, whether we are poor or rich, or uh, you know, whatever color we are. And, you know, you know, we are all unique in our way. And uh, as long as we are positive and do something, we could able to uh, do anything. And uh, coming back to you the, about happiness, is happiness. Happiness is not about all about, I think, having a fame or making a money. And to be, uh, I'm not doing this for, you know, making a fame, fame uh, and, 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 and being happy and making mm -hmm. a money and those other things. I think it's all, all about this. I think happiness is recognizing who you share, value yourself, who you are, and also do something good for other people. I think that's uh, what it is. And uh, anything could be, you know, even, even, even the coin has two sides, um, you know, the money you can use for good thing or bad thing. Um, you know, life is also exactly the same. If you think good thing, then everything will be the good. Good thing, the whole world, you'll see the beautiful. If you are negative, whole world, you'll see the, everything is going bad in the world. You know, it's, everything is negative. Right. I want to I take it back to uh, your climbing you know, Everest has always been in the back of your mind. That's been the, the, one of the main goals that you've had your sights on and something happened in 2018 where the Nepalese government, they banned double amputees and blind people from getting permits to climb Everest. That's right. So obviously a big setback in your plans. I'm sure that was very frustrating, uh, but that got changed, right? And you were a big part of that change. Can you talk about when that first happened and and uh, where we're at today with that? Yeah, I think uh, even in the government and uh, in, in, in the world, the people are, they are very, very academically educated. But some of things, maybe they are not, maybe culturally or uh, some other ways, they are maybe not aware or not educated. I think uh, the reason why the rule came it was to, there some was bureaucrats. Um, as well, but also there was a board about education, the awareness, because they didn't know that disabled people could able to do that, and they brought the new rules. So, which is I have to cancel my expedition. If it's not, then it wouldn't be hanging for that that long. I would have done in 2018. Yeah. Was that so, the, uh, uh, 2018? Were, were you supposed to do it? In, yes, yes, yeah. 2018 is spring. That was I was lined up doing it. Oh and wow! I, so the ban yeah. happened right before you were supposed to yeah, go. Just just right before my oh. speech. Yeah. So let's say um, I can't ban you for eating beef. Or I can't ban you for doing something, I think, because in those people, whatever it is, right? 
I think you can't just in my mind that I you can't ban for some people. I mean, it's about taking the rights away from the people, uh, and um, uh, you can't just ban people for because of their whether disability or their religion or their color or their gender or their age or whatever it's. I I, I don't I I didn't think that that was the right thing to do. So yeah, um, no. I'm going to fight this. <laughs> yeah. so, actually, I was on um, um, Gosai Kunda. Um, no, not, not in Gosai Kunda. I was in Muktinath in Nepal doing the Thurangla Pass um, at that time. Um, and, um, you know, just kind of every my masses is kind of popping in from all over the world, from media, from BBC to, uh, you know, just kind of everywhere. Um, and um, I couldn't able to speak to the videos, but I, I was able to speak to them, um, you know, on the phone, some of them, uh, and some of them I could able to, uh, you know, do in a message. But because I wasn't very, um, you know, um, uh, you know, contactable, um, lots of people just made the news on my Facebook status. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, that was it. And um, I went back after a week back in Kathmandu. Everybody's looking at what this guy is going to do. Uh, you know, pretty much all was all and all media looking at me. And um, initially, I tried kind of diplomatic way. I went to tourism ministry in uh, Nepal. I took some of my backings, like as organization about the disability rights, so fight about that and those things. And, uh, and we, um, we went and they said, yeah, we'll, yeah, that's very good. Just bring us the recommendation and uh, we, we will lobby for that. that we, we will process for that. But, I knew that that was not going to happen. You know, if one, it has to go to many ministries and one, one people put under the file under the table, then it's going to take a few years to bring it out. And at the same time, NFDA, National Federation of Disabled Association, was going to Geneva for this. So, so, so yeah, join come and, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, take this point and say, okay, we are great. This is what I'm looking for. And I took, you know, we went to Geneva and, um, you know, you know, talk this. The problem with the United Nations is they, they can name and shame them. They can give them recommendations and things like that, but they can force the countries to apply the rules. So what is the way? Um, so I spoken to some of my friends in Nepal because I live in the UK. So it's for me to hard to go to Nepal and fight the court battle. So, so my, um, I asked my friends to file the case, um, and they filed the case in Nepal, um, um, and um, I helped them all the campaigning and other other sort of things. Yeah. Uh, and after a few months, there were lots of media pressure, I think, to Nepal government because, you know, even the law could be, you know, could be manipulated, you know, if sure. there is not enough interest, uh, yeah, in it, there's not enough pressure. So we put lots of pressure through uh, disabled organizations and the medias and, um, you, you know, pretty much everyone. Then, uh, yeah, at the end, five judges unanimously decided that, yeah, uh, it is unlawful. Uh, yeah. It's a discrimination. You can't do that. Uh, right. So, yeah, yeah. That was one of my uh, happiest moments. I didn't sleep for um, for about three, four months. Um, <laughs> just just wow. working for that, running around everywhere.
you weren't just doing that for you and your dream. It wasn't just about you wanting to climb Everest because it sounds like a big, a big drive for you is also to change the perception and the narrative around people with disabilities and, and amputees. And, and, and that's exactly what they were doing, right? They're discriminating. It, it's, it's treating you differently. Oh, you can't do this you, you, because you have a disability. Can you talk on, on that goal of yours and your drive to change that narrative? Because I think it's, it's, it's different in different parts of the world, the, the way people with disabilities are, are viewed. So you might have different experiences uh, in Nepal and in, in Europe than maybe we do in, in, in the U.S. So I'm curious to hear what it's like around the world because you've been around the world. So uh, I think for me, uh, after my injury, I, I kind of realized that what is just kind of uh, adapting the life means, I, you know, we, we, we adapt our life all the time. Simply, you know, if it's cold, then you put a jacket on, uh, right? If it's raining, then you put a Gore-Tex a raincoat or an umbrella on and things like that. And which is very simple principle actually applies in the whole life, you know, your whole life. And uh, for me later on, kind of, you know, I was, um, uh, you know, E2P, I was going in a wheelchair or, um, my prosthetic legs or uh, you know I wanna, I wanna go mountain i use different legs it's like a adapting a life according to the time and situation and as long as we can able to do that then you know uh, we could um uh, able to change it's a, you know do whatever you want to do simply right um and uh, you know uh, in uh, in old days, um, we couldn't able to run fast enough to travel or around the world. We couldn't able to explore that way. So what do we did? We designed the things, right? Mm-hmm. So that we could able to go and do things. So we start designing the roads, um, motorcycles, and uh, you know cars, and uh, for uh, let's say, um, see we design boat and ships, right? And uh, Right, uh, brothers, they dreamed of flying, so now we can fly A to B, yeah, yeah. and now we can fly to another planet. And who that made possible? This is we are human beings, right? And as long as we challenge ourselves, we can make that the things possible. So I always believe that, uh, you know, uh, you know, after my injuries, um, I believe, you know, after all, all after confidence, getting confidence back, that and anything is possible. It's just a different way of doing the things. But also for me, when you're talking about adapting, it was easy for me to adapt my physical life, uh, then my mental life, my social life, you know, it is very, very hard. I'm very conservative uh, society, uh, right? In Nepal, it's, the, you know, your disability or anything you're suffering is like a taken as a, you know, sins in your previous life. Um, and and they call it like a, you know, it's a burden of the earth. And this is the way that they can. And even when I was going in my society, I used to go to the summer parties, yeah, you know, um, and uh, even my friends are treating me completely differently to me. And uh, when I, uh, you know, I was going, lots of people in my in my back day, they, they say, why this guy is here? You know, he should be staying at his home. You know, I, I don't mind dancing in a wheelchair or whatever, right? So, uh, yeah, I enjoy the music. Yeah, so so I should dance. Dance is not just kind of, uh, you know, dancing on the legs, right? So, uh, even these disabled guys want to enjoy 
you know, it's just really, really hard. It was very uh, hard, not just me, but my, it was very hard for my wives and my families to adapt as well. You know, it's disabled children and wife and other things. And another thing is, um, I'm disabled. It's, I'm not no difference than uh, the the person that I was, right? I still have the same brain. I can have the same heart. I have the same memories. I, I've got the same connections. Only difference they can see me is I don't have legs. Right. So what is wrong with that? You know. So no, I need to change this society some ways. I don't want to be like, oh, it's a poor. I don't want to that. I don't want to be called that way. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of somewhat challenge kind of myself to face that. Then to climbing for me doing this, I could change the narrative of this. You know, I, to be honest, in my, in my society who knows me, even, even people who doesn't know me, they still dominate me some ways, um, you know, talk me completely different way. But it, when I go to Nepal, this, it's like... Um, I'm kind of alien somewhere, <laughs> popped in, yeah. you know, like say, so they just look at me until I'm there out of their sight. So no, I need to change this. So, so I love sewing my legs. You know, lots of people uh, like in Nepal, they hide their disability. But for me is I love sewing them because I need, so, and even I go to my children's school and the little children's makes comments me. Mom, mom, look at the robot man. I says, oh, oh, mom, mom, look at those cool legs. And, and some some children say, mom, mom, look at, look at his, he's a, he, look at, look at this funny man. You know, you know, just kind of makes all kind of things. Yeah. But, but I need to be there. You know, I could send my wife, or I could be putting trousers on. Mm-hmm. But I want to show them that make sure that disabled people exist in this world. And something happens for them tomorrow, they can pick up their life instead of mourning themselves, instead of blaming someone else, instead of, you know, being sorry for themselves, they pick up their life and get, you know, full life as much as they can. You know, they enjoy their life. It's a reason why I could do something and, you know, and this is my dream. So why not to climb the Everest? Yeah. But the one thing is, yes, I will make, I want to make a disability awareness through climbing, just making awareness. So if I was aware of the people working with the prosthetic legs before I get injured, then I would pick up my life much quicker and I will be much more different places in reality now. So I personally really suffered. I was very uneducated about disability. I was very unaware about the disability and what they could be able to. I also thought that I had exactly the same mind like what other people had in my society, right? So this is also, I need to make it awareness. And now I think very few people call me, oh, you are poor. (laughs) Very few people who, 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 who knows me. This is the reason why I kind of challenged Everest, and but also it, it, it's my childhood dream. I always wanted to climb, so it's also inspiring other people to, uh, you know, never give up um, and follow your dreams, and you would able to find a way to accomplish it, because we find a way to travel around the world very quickly. We can go to in another planet. We made that possible. As long as you challenge yourself, you set your goals. Um, and get discipline 
um, and, and be positive and move forward, then we can achieve anything. So, so this is the reason why I want other people, I want to encourage other people to follow their dreams and achieve it. Even um, some of people could not able to do, make sure they can achieve one step or further in their life. So this is pretty much my aim. But also doing this, I never expected that, but we're doing lots of research and development on the prosthetic legs and uh, some of the other equipments, uh, uh, you know, we're just making so much difference. Um, yeah. um, A lot of advancements are, are happening in that world, right? Yeah, 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 yes, uh, yeah. So many things go, so many things. And which is, uh, it is, this is not intentional for me. It's just kind of meant to be, you know, Kim. But one thing is um, when I was climbing, no double amputee above knees were climbing the mountains. I didn't have any legs. I went to NHS, which is National Health, Cent uh, National Health um, uh, Service in the UK. And I asked him that, could you able to make me legs for climbing? And he says, there's no legs. We are sorry, we can't do that. And I told them, I have some idea possibly, you could able to do, do this one for the adapt for me and maybe put this one here and get make me like this and uh, do that. And I say, no, um, sorry, this is not engineering approved. We can't do that. If something happens, you're going to sue us. That's what they told me. And uh, that's fine. That's then and I'll find somewhere. And this is the way that I was connected with uh, lots of my friends in the US. My friend Jim Landon, um, he connected um, with uh, lots of prosthetic companies and uh, individual guys and amputees as well and veterans. He connected me. And we found one, uh, one, one of my friends who is a one single epop, uh, um, uh, knee amputee who's cli climbing Colorado. Uh, and he, he was welding himself, the crampons for himself. Um, and, um, and I requested him, would you able to really send me uh, two of them so that I can start climbing? Um, he's very kindly sent it to me. I haven't sent him back. I really apologize for you. <laughs> uh, because I want to send him with something really, you know, you know, makes value on, uh, on it. Because this is what is a starting point of my climbing. And hopefully I would be able to see him one day. Um, and um, after that, on, on that, we start designing the things. And now, the more and more MWM is climbing the, uh, the mountain. So... You know, I'm loving it. And yeah. I want more, more, more double amputees to be climbing. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. As you're saying all that, I was just thinking there's a guy, an old friend of mine, I went to high school with him. That's what he does. He, he develops prosthetics. He's in Hawaii. His name is uh, Cameron Lair. I have to reach out to him. Once we're done with this, I'm going to reach out to him. I, I'm yeah, sure please, he... Please, please do. Yeah, I'm sure he knows who you are. Um, I know we're, we're kind of getting towards the end here and I have a, a few more questions so I could get through them quickly. But Everest right now, when are you scheduled? Because I'm sure there's a lot going on with the virus and there's probably some setbacks. Are you, do you have a date right now? Yes, sir. we are still focused to doing um, 2021. It is, you know, should, should have done in 2018 and it's because so many reasons that, you know, it's just pushing it back. So I want to get it done as soon as I can. And uh, as we are setting, uh, still set on, 2021. Uh, but let's say what this is, Nepal is still in lockdown. I supposed to be um, 
end of this month, I supposed to be um, in Nepal um, doing 7,000 meters, but uh, I have just canceled that because it's still, we don't know anything. And also it's not like a um, situation like before that, yeah, somebody's not feeling well. Yeah, you go back down, we're gonna keep climbing. You know, so you can't be able to do that. Uh, but also it's my responsibility to protect my team as well. And uh, everyone who uh, who's around me, who get involved uh, with uh, with me as well. So I think that sensibly, um, I think it's to cancel um, for this uh, expedition. And we are still uh, focusing on to make it 2021. If not, then hopefully we'll be able to do by 2022. Yeah. And you're doing some fundraising, right? Yes. Where can people go to help out with that? Uh, yeah, they can they can go to just giving page. Um, say just search Hari Buddha Magar, um, just giving page. And so they will be able to uh, do that for me. And um, I absolutely get so much help from India's from prosthetic. Actually, I was rescued by, um, you know, American military. So I was rescued by Pedro uh, in Afghanistan. Um, when I injured, there was the plane couldn't fly to the Europe because there was a volcanic ash in Iceland and covered all over the Europe at that time when wow. I get injured. So I was actually, um, uh, you know, going to Washington DC to get a treatment. Uh, and I went to the Bagram, it's an American base, had a two operations, um, I, you know, at that time I thought that was very scary because I was the only one British soldiers, so injured soldier there. <laughs> and I was the only one uh, in the intensive care uh, that awake. Um, <laughs> wow. So it's very scary. Uh, but. but uh, when I look at back, they really, really look after me well. I went to the Iraq uh, with them and I was supposed to fly next next morning to Washington, D.C., but there was volcanic ash clear, um, so plane could land in the U.K. So when C-17 went and brought me back to me to the U.K., so I couldn't, um, you know, all the way to the, go to the uh, U.S., but everyone in the U.S., all of my friends, and I worked with the U.S. military um, many, many occasions uh, during my service. So I'm really, really grateful uh, to the American people um, and, uh, you know, American um, colleagues, uh, um, but also, yeah, so get it helped from, especially uh, from uh, those, um, you know, veterans, military charities and disabilities and uh, just so much, so much grateful. Without them, I wouldn't be here. And I think together we can make much more uh, difference um, around the world while everything is going <laughs> crazy yeah. and mad. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy world out there right now. Uh, yeah, we'll make sure that message gets out. So with the Everest in 2021, do you have a specific training regimen right now? Obviously, the smaller climbs is some training. Do you do anything else? Is there a gym, some indoor rock climbing, swimming? Is there any specific regiment that you follow to prepare? Yes. Um, so uh, in the UK, there's not much mountain. So one thing is I try to keep my body in a high altitude as much as I can. So that is the one of the things that um, I do. So that's why every year in, in a year I go at least two, three times, try to stay over 5,000 meters. So one of the things that, um, you know, I try to do. The another thing is uh, when I'm, um, I'm at home, when training is coming, then I go pretty much um, at least five days a week 
two hours every day. So normally when I go to the gym, I do have a CV, um, CV because I can't run. So I yep. did lots of about, um, you know, hand cycling or, uh, you, know, you know, rowing. Or those are the things that um, I go about half an hour, um, 40 minutes for that. Uh, then I go for uh, walking. Then I go for a multiple gym. Then I go for swimming. Um, then have a cold shower. That's pretty much my uh, routine. The cold, cold shower? Uh, cold shower. Yeah, cold, the cold shower helps um, because so one is like you're breathing. Yep. Uh, you, you can't feel, uh, feel uh, like say uh, in the, that, but also, also, also it's kind of adapt yep. your body with the cold and those are the things that yep. so helps. Uh, yep. And also the yogas and the, the breathing, um, uh, it, it helps because on the mountain, it's like a, uh, like a, so you're going to do very short breath, right? So it's not enough oxygen. So, um, uh, you, you know, long, taking a longer breath yeah. uh, helps. So a lot of breathing exercises, yes, like yes. very good mentally as well, right? For a yes, lot of, that's right. The yoga right. and the, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'm going to close out with my last question. I like asking people this and uh, I think you're, you're very qualified to, to, share uh, some wisdom with us here. You've done it for the last hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, so everybody listening, um, you know, there could be some people that are listening that are on some hard times, uh, COVID out there that's causing a lot of un- uh, uncertainties. The, the economy is suffering, people losing their jobs. Uh, you know, so any, anyone listening, if there's one piece of advice or wisdom that you could leave them with, uh, what is that? You know, everyone's life doesn't go smooth. All the time, we have go um, up and down. Some of this is like a small dip, but some of one like a big dip and a big up and big down. And it's, it's happening, happening in everyone's life. So whatever happens, it happens temporarily. And everything is all about the mind, um, the happiness, whatever you want to do. It's all, all about the mind. So mind is so, so as long as your mind is working, you can do so much things. So I think it's, um, uh, it's just all about mindset, the way we think, the, the way we want to do. Do you want to be rich or poor or you want to be um, you, you know, happy or sad or you, whatever you, we want to be. I think it's all about the way we see the things. Um, the, this is our perspective. And it, our perspective comes from our ex, some of our experience, some of the knowledge, some of the, the way we are, uh, our upbringing. Uh, but I think definitely we can change those practice. I was forced to change my perspective, uh, but I think other people can change their perspective from the education through, um, you know, books or uh, any, uh, any other ways. So... Whatever happens, it's not going to long last. Even if you are happy now, tomorrow will be the hard times. So get ready for that. Um, and uh, even you are, if it's, you are going through all bad things, after night we have the day. So there will be the light. So don't worry anything about it. And when time passes by, just do whatever um, you, know, you love to do the good day will come. So there's don't worry anything about it. I think this is what I, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, and also just be grateful that you're alive uh, today, uh, you know, uh, and you have your loved ones. Uh, and uh, 
if you are feeling alone please you are not alone um you know it is your just your mind is saying you are alone but there are people who cares you um who um loves you and um if there's anything um that you know i personally could able to do please get in touch if i can help and uh, as long as the time give allows me just when you kind of maybe sending a message or things that maybe i wouldn't able to say uh, just uh, when you say hello and i say hello namaste namaste i couldn't able to say that but if you have a questions please just directly send me what is done and i will try to uh, come back to you as much as i can so please be grateful be happy you know whatever you going through it's temporary whatever happens it happens for good you know i lost my legs lost my career and i lost my job but hey i'm okay so you will be okay hari thank you so much man i'm so appreciative that you took the time to sit with me and chat and uh i'm so thankful that you exist i'm so happy that there's someone like you out there doing what you're doing you're making such a big difference uh and a big uh, inspiration to me personally and i'm sure to so many others out there um so again thank you so much man i appreciate it thank you so much for having me and um really appreciate it for that great all right all right namaste namaste, namaste.